Welcome to the Lessons Learned Podcast, a podcast reflecting on the lessons we've learned and those we're still in the process of learning. I'm Komal, your host. I'm an interviewer, investor, and someone who has lived a lot of life in a short time. I built this podcast as a place for us to reflect, to be together, and to learn from one another. Let's get into it. Welcome to episode 16 of the Lessons Learned podcast. This episode is going to be all about what do you do when you're the only or the few in a room, Uh, whether that is because of your race, your ethnicity, your gender, your whatever it might be. Um, How do you process being the only or the few in a room? And how do we go about lifting each other up um, through storytelling around this? So for those of you who follow me on Instagram, you guys know that last week I attended the Rachel Hollis event called Rise in Fort Myers, Florida. Now, just off the bat, I haven't, I don't share a lot about Rachel Hollis on my Instagram, all of this, because I I get nervous when it comes to personal development people and how much I want to um, share about them, be all hype about them. But Lord knows I am an ultimate fangirl when it comes to me finding people that I adore. Um, whose music I love or whose ethos I love or whose company I love. And I'm figuring out that right balance of showing up as my full self, my full cheerleading self online uh, for the various people I adore. And I'm doing it more and more. And so even sharing that I was going to the RISE conference, uh, I was nervous about because I don't know how you guys, my audience, the people that I adore and love to serve every day, um, what what your thoughts are on this individual and, and it turned out a lot of you guys didn't even know who Rachel Hollis was she's on the rise she is in the personal development space she's a New York Times best-selling author mother of four very cute children um, and her and her husband run a company called the Hollis Co uh, which focuses on unleashing within women specifically all that we can do through habit building personal development self-improvement and that has been a big influence in my life, especially coming out of my recovery, because as many of you know, I was diagnosed with cancer in 2016, went through a lot of illnesses and hard times, trials and tribulations through 2015, all the way through 2018 till last year, surgery after surgery, illness after illness. And when you're going through that kind of shit and something inspirational and positive comes your way, you latch on to it. And so I read both of Rachel's books. I did enjoy them. Uh, and found a lot of value in them. I know that there's like a lot of, um, you know, lots of folks don't like them who are in my community and circle, but for me, it worked. And so I go with what works for me. And I saw a lot about her Rise events online. And I was always curious about attending. And with me being in the frame or headspace of planning our own events for later this year, it was a no-brainer for me to go. I, back in September, I shared with you guys last week when it was like all in the span of like 10 days, Oprah announced her Vision 2020 tour. Rachel Hollis came out with her uh, Rise events for 2020. And I found out Michelle Obama was going to be speaking in Ottawa. And so all these big seeds were planted that week in September, October. And I looked at this week in, in January 2020 and said, if I can start the week with Oprah in Florida and the week with Rachel Hollis, in Fort Myers I mean 
I knew that the work that was going to be done in these spaces was going to help me intention set and build massive momentum for 2020. And so I was all in. And then I put that dream or that thought on the back burner up until like Christmas Day (laughs) when Mitch and I talked about this. And uh, he ended up supporting me in making making the decision to come. And uh, it was really amazing. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Mitch's support. So thank you, babe. Also, Mitch is on his own fitness journey right now. His handle is at jolly underscore Mitch on Instagram. If you want to see my husband get in the best health of, health of his life this year, he has been wildly inspired by Henry Cavill from The Witcher and his fitness journey and him and The Rock are under the same management. So you best believe that Mitch's motivation is just off the charts right now and he's killing it if you want to follow along his journey please do i'm a loving supportive wife and he is inspiring me to go even further with my health journey so we're going to be doing that together all that to say i made it to florida i met oprah i pitched oprah on the thing that i wanted to ask her for and then i had an imposter syndrome day and i picked myself that up the next day and drove to Fort Myers and I was pumped for this event and I go it's Wednesday night and I get to the stadium I line up in that registration line and I look around and I am in a sea of white women and I need to pause here because I am married to a white man I love my community I grew up in Grand Prairie Alberta I love Canadian culture I love white people You guys are my family. You guys are my audience. You guys are my loves of my life, my best friends, everything. And so when I say this, it's not to be, um, it's just to share my experience because yes, I'm the only and the few in a lot of spaces, even when it comes to my own friends and family, but there's a level of trust and understanding that the people I'm spending my time with value me, love me respect me, care about my lived experience. We talk about race. We talk about politics. We have open dialogues. I share what's on my mind. They share with me what's on their mind. There's an intimacy. But being in Southern Florida in a crowd of uh, predominantly white women felt really isolating, especially after the plane in Iran was, in Iran was shot down. And after, you know, what's happening, happening geopolitically and with knowing that rural and more like smaller parts of Florida are more Republican right-leaning. So when I was in that crowd, it was the first time in a really long time that I felt unsafe and on the verge of tears and just unsure about the experience. I, you know, my brain, and I was talking to my father-in-law about this today. We live together, so we were just talking through this and he holds incredible space for me even though he's of an older generation and we can talk race and we can talk about my isolating experience and he can hold space for that and just let me like honor my truth and what I realized in talking to him was that it was actually an instinctual response it wasn't fully cognitive it was starting it was that fight or flight response it started in my gut I felt the adrenaline kicked in kick in and then I started noticing more viscerally my surroundings and that's when my brain started like looking around and and trying to find women who looked like me or something like me or were also different and that's when I started counting and it was like in that sea of like 500 600 maybe a thousand women 
um, because pre-registration was jammed, I could count 14 women of color and a good portion of them were event staff. They were working on checking us in, helping us get registered. That was wild. And also because the marketing for the event, the, you know, they had Trent Shelton and amazing speakers like Stacey Flowers and so many others who were Latina, Black. Um, it was an inclusive vibe on stage. And I know from Rachel and Dave, Dave is Rachel's husband, who's the CEO of the company, former uh, president of distribution for Disney, that they value inclusion. Like their inner circle is very diverse and it's how they share with the world. And so I just knew something was off. And that night on Instagram, I shared with you guys that isolating feeling that I had. And thus began two days of me sharing about what it was like to be in that experience, um, how it prevented me from being able to do the work that I was there to do in some instances, because it's a self-development, personal development event. So baseline trust has to be there so that you can actually go deep and do the work that you're there to do. For example, in one of the sessions, um, they uh, we it was a beautiful session, a very powerful session where in our workbooks, there was a sheet that just had check boxes. And it was things like, I have been raped. I live with chronic illness and disability. Um, I live with depression. I've considered suicide. And you check the boxes that apply to you. We ripped the page out, folded it up anonymously, and we started just handing it around the room. And so our page travels partway across the room and you open it up. And then Rachel and her friend Britt, who is the co-host of the event, who is uh, a woman of color, um, they read out from the list and we each stand up on behalf of our sisters. And it was powerful. And the reason I share that one with you is just to show the depth of vulnerability that we were all tuning into. And on my page, I hand wrote, have experienced racism. And it just felt important to indicate to whomever the sister was who was going to open my page that race and my racial identity, I can't decouple that from my experience and existence on an everyday level. And so in that room, it was my way of just kind of being myself and showing my truth to whomever opened that page. Um, and also, you know, to the organizers to say like, there's more that can be added here to make this page even more inclusive. And I struggled to be fully vulnerable and present at the event because of that first gut response that hit me in registration. And then also because I, from an event planning perspective and like being a CEO of my own company, I was starting to think about what would I do here to make people feel included. And we jammed on that all day on Saturday. If you guys want to go check out my highlights, it's called Diversity at Rise Fort Myers. And the conversation that unfolded was so fruitful. And I'm going to jump into some of my DMs. This is an unofficial but still official slide into my DM section. I'm going to jump into some of the things you all shared with me that I think hearing today is going to help uplift all of us. Mel Talks Money said, let this reaffirm how much you're needed in this space and how much I'm needed too. I mean, in as many years, women with brown skin will be the majority and that will transition to us having more disposable income. And we deserve and need just as much access to resources, wellness, and business and financial personal development packaged in world-class offerings, if not more. 
I replied, yes to this a thousand percent. It's interesting to be here and to choose that lens because for a moment my brain went the other way to I don't belong here. We are creating our own lanes and coming up in our own ways because we do deserve an experience akin to this that doesn't leave us feeling isolated. Mel said exactly. So do what I do in these moments. Pretend you're on a diplomatic mission. You're here to make quote-unquote quote-unquote, cross-cultural connections and friendships even, and collect intel on how things are done in other spaces. I loved that one because it gave me permission to just kind of be a fly on the wall and to own my experience in the ways that I could and to also just recognize that I was there to learn. I called myself from that point on a cultural anthropologist and that also took like some of the intensity away from my experience and allowed me to be more objective in moments Um, and also allowed me to get into the work that I was there to do a little bit more because I'm not there to do the labor of figuring out is this event good or is it bad or is it doing the right thing, is it not? I was there to do the work that I was there to do, which was my inner work, my planning, my organizing, my getting ready to launch into 2020. Grace said, tears in my eyes watching you explain this experience as so many of us know it all too well. I often find myself torn between knowing that well, then this is where I'm meant to be and represent for so many who aren't, but also feeling so emotionally heavy and quite honestly unsafe in a space that is so lacking and constantly wondering if you have an ally around you. My biggest takeaway thus far is that it's made me step into my own and own my appearance and my story more than ever. Because if this is possibly the first time these people are seeing someone like me in this space, I'm going to make sure I'm me. This is still a constant navigation, And I'm so grateful you're sharing. And thank you for sharing the insight you've gotten from others so far as well. Very helpful. This is when I got that feeling that talking about this and sharing about this was about way more than my experience. It was about our collective experience as a community because enough people don't talk about it because we're afraid. We're afraid that if we say something, we're going to be that angry woman of color. We're going to be, you know, stubborn or we're going to be, oh, that's that person's too woke. That person's too like you're taking it to a level. And it's like, this is just my experience. And if that's too much for you, I'm not sorry. I'm here to live a full life. And this has gotten in the way of that. So I'm here to let you know that you can do better. Excellence is one of my core values. So when I was there and looking around, I was like, I know that this place wants to be even more excellent. So I'm in a hold I'm going to hold that standard of excellence to the places I'm going and share my experience as authentically as I can. Jada Pinkett Smith, who did not DM me, but I found this quote from her just during that day, said, have the courage to say what you need in the moment. Most people aren't mind readers. Two things will happen. You'll either get what you need or realize that the source you are asking doesn't have the capacity to deliver. Both are gifts. I'll come back to this quote after this segment. Siobhan said, thank you for sharing this. I'll admit I've tended to shy away from events where I'd feel like an outsider, but last year I intentionally started making an effort to be in different rooms and spaces. It definitely takes you on a ride of emotions, but it's something I'm committed to keep doing. And after that, I I shared my perspective that it's possible to be in a room where you are holding that, holding the room, the organizers to a certain standard while also still doing your best to enjoy and take in content that you love, support the person who's putting it on, because we are all imperfect. And cancel culture is not something that I fully prescribe to, unless you're the Harvey Weinstein of the world and just, you know, pure evil. 
um, if you're a Trump of the world, um, I'm ready to cancel. But I'm also aware that followers, supporters, there's there's just a gr- such a massive gray area that I'm trying to learn how to engage with with it, compassion and to be a bridge um, to towards. And so staying in that room for three days gave me so much empathy for people who choose not to stay because it's your prerogative. I could have that first night said, I am wildly uncomfortable and I don't want to stay here and have left. And that's completely valid. I was challenging myself to say, how can I, in spite of this experience or alongside this experience, reconcile it in a way where I can stay in this room, do what I came here to do, take in what I deserve to take in, which is also this content and experience, while also giving my feedback in a way that could be meaningful to this company. Um, So yeah, it's possible to hold someone to a higher standard, but still want to support them. That's the duality of this life. Someone else uh, also shared the perspective that specifically she spoke to the South Asian community, but then other people validated it as, as well in other minority communities that often we see groups of people or individuals within those groups claim that they're not welcome into certain rooms or spaces. But then when those rooms and spaces begin progressing, like many have in the last few years, you know, being more thoughtful of diversity, inclusion and belonging work, um, more representative on stages, uh, affordable price points, which were all the things that the Rise Conference had done. uh, But there's still not solid representation in the room. Sometimes it's because in this case, for example, the South Asian community still doesn't want to engage. They aren't showing up and out. They aren't coming into the rooms um, because there's a cultural stigma around certain parts of an experience or there is a last continues to be um, more judgment of the people putting the event on. Um, so it's this person had brought up how we need to kind of meet in the middle. And there are rooms that are now more accepting doing the work. Now it's also time for those of us in community to also show up and show out. Uh, So I thought that was a really interesting perspective. Kinthusha said, thank you for sharing your thoughts. I could really connect with it. And I always wonder if it's wrong for me to always notice the diversity first thing when I'm at an event. And if it's normal to feel like, wow, I just don't look like anyone here. Thank you for always inspiring me and sharing your journey with everyone on this platform. I felt that way too. I was like, is it weird that I'm noticing this? But then I realized... It's like when I realized it was that subconscious, like guttural reaction, I couldn't help it. Like it's, it was my instinct. So it went beyond sort of the conscious thought process. It wasn't like I went out of my way to be like, oh, I'm the only person of color. It was like something subconsciously picked up on it. And then it became kind of at the forefront of my brain. After getting a number of these messages, what I also realized for myself is through community and through sharing with you and bringing you guys into the room with me, it allowed me to become more present in that room. So had I bottled that up and not shared any of my experience, it would have colored every moment of the experience and I very well probably wouldn't have gone. I already missed half a day of session because I just needed to take space to myself so I didn't fully get the full experience. But I still showed up for like more than three quarters of it, which or like I guess it actually would be five sixths of it I was there for. Uh, But I could do it because I shared with you. And you guys gave me the space to be compassionate with myself, with the space, and to be there for my bigger purpose, which was planning and building my dreams and goals. 
And finally, I'll share from Sheena. Wow, I've really enjoyed reading through these and understanding some great perspectives on this topic. Some good call-outs and reminders about the responsibility as a non-person of color too. Thanks for sharing, Komal. And I did get an, a couple of messages from women who identify as white and Caucasian in my community who asked, like, what can we do? And I wasn't able to fully reply because I don't fully know. And sometimes putting that burden on the person who's going through that experience is really hard because I don't know systemically what the answer is. I don't know what the right thing to do in that situation is. Now, before I tell you about what I offered as a suggestion and what ended up unfolding that got me to write a note to the CEO and him replying to it, um, there's still a couple other messages that came in that I just want to tell you tidbits of. So someone shared about how the internal processes at their company, this gave them so much insight on how to talk to their own internal team about feedback for internal conferences. So that was really cool to read. And someone shared that their experience as a South Asian woman in the yoga industry was very similar, but that they continue to show up. And I think that that is one that I'm still struggling with. I, I'm re-engaging with yoga in my own way because after I realized um, just a lot of the racial aspects or cultural aspects that mess with my brain now that's now the work I have to do to work through so I continue to do that I really liked this reply so much of what is troubling about the world today seems to be the desire to put people in categories of right and wrong I like that we are all messy and complicated and contain multitudes so glad to hear today was a good one for you thank you again for sharing that comes back to what I was saying around you can be in the room and be critical but also still take it in um, we can, we're allowed to be complicated. Experiences are allowed to be complicated. We also talked a little bit about code switching. So me growing up in Grand Prairie, I can navigate white spaces really well and South Asian Punjabi spaces really well. So it's made me a bit of a chameleon and that's worked to my benefit. But my ability to code switch is also a massive privilege because there are many people who don't have that skill set uh, to be able to do that. but So I could be in that space more comfortably than, say, others might have been able to. So I want to talk a little bit about what it was like to actually talk to the organizers. So when it came to the end of day two and day three, I escalated my experience. It was like, okay, this has been me and my communities. Now how do I take this and give it as meaningful feedback to the organizers? So serendipitously, when I was walking through the hallway... Um, the co-host, Britt, was in the hallway, and she's a diversity and inclusion expert and uh, consultant. And so I thought, this is the perfect person to share my experience with. And so I did. And I told her, I was like, you know, I have felt kind of isolated just in terms of representation. And she said, you know, this surprised our whole team, too. We've never had an event that was this disproportionately representative of one group of people. And that was really validating to me. And she also said, and I want to validate you and your experience. Like we noticed it. So like, yes, we also had that same experience and response that you did. And she said that they were going to, you know, them as a team were going out of their way to engage with the women of color in the room to make them feel seen. And I hadn't had that personal touch point with any staff member until I went and spoke to Britt. And to be honest, when I walked away from that conversation, I felt like, oh, a longing like it was like that wasn't what I expected as my response and then it's also like they're in the midst of a 4,000 person event like I am one out of 4,000 <laughs> and I had to take that perspective and I also realized that Brit while being 
you know, really good friends with Rachel and co-host of the event and whatever. She is still not an executive of the company. She wasn't, I realized in that moment, she wasn't the right person for me to talk to. It's like what Jada Pinkett Smith said. If you speak up, you're going to figure out one of two things. You either get what you need or realize that the source you are asking doesn't have the capacity to deliver. Both are gifts. So that experience with Brit helped me realize I wanted to escalate this directly to the CEO, who is Dave Hollis, who is Rachel Hollis's husband. So as I realized that I was coming back from lunch and he was doing an impromptu meet and greet in the hallway and there was a, a couple hundred people in line. So I waited it out for like a half hour and then the afternoon session was starting and it was the last session of the entire conference. And I was like, I came here for this, not to like do my own version of diversity, inclusion and belonging work on the sidelines for the Hollis Co. Not even that they were paying attention or asking or anything, obviously. Um, so I was like, I'm going to go back in there. But before I do that, I'm going to write him a note. The reason it became evident to me that it was important to hand him the note in person is because you can't just brush off your reply to a person. If I had just shared my experience verbally, I could have had a similar experience to the night before when I had talked to Brit about it. But with writing a note, it required a direct response in another way or no response at all, which would validate for me that this may not have been taken seriously. I went back into conference and a couple hours later, I picked up my phone just to see what was going on in the world and noticed that Dave followed me on Instagram. And I signed my name uh, on the note. I wasn't going to, but then I was like, no, you should. And that follow made me feel so seen because it was like a nonverbal, I received this note and I see you in your experience. And it felt like such a relief, especially in that last session, to have that feeling of being seen in that experience. And then... Um, the conference finished. I loved the last event and I went back to my hotel room that night and as you can see in the stories, I got emotional because what I realized was part of my feeling of isolation that came from being in that room was also that historically self-development, personal development, yes, you have the Robin Sharmas and the Deepak Chopras and the Jay Shetties of the world who are brown men in these spaces. Brown women don't have a lot of space in personal development. Women of color don't have a lot of space as major proponents of the personal development, self-development space. And I know the better my habits are, the better I take care of myself, the more meticulous I am with my daily routines, the higher I'm going to elevate in my work and in my life. And I deserve to get as much out of these experiences as possible. And I shared in my stories how my parents never had access to this and never had the privilege of having time to think about how can I be better in a meaningful way. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the pyramid. Self-actualization is at the top because basic needs and all those other pieces are met so we can start thinking about ourselves and who we want to be in the world and where we're going. It is a privilege. And I don't take this privilege lightly. And so... Those tears that came out when I was sharing in my stories that night were because of that, because I spent X amount of dollars to be in that room and I couldn't get past my own identity enough to do the work that I was there to do. And yes, your life is all about how you react to the circumstances you're in. There's so much of like that I you know, could be in control of, could have moved past in that situation. I did the best I possibly could. And I'm really proud of myself for that. And later that, the next day, I actually received a response from Dave Hollis, and he just said, thank you so much for your, for sharing. 
Inclusion is a massive value of our company, and this gives us a lot of food for thought. There was no apology. There was no, I'm sorry that that was your experience, and I don't know why, but that felt really important for me to receive, and it didn't happen. And that's okay, because I got a response. I took it to the CEO. And you guys know in these situations how hard it can feel to speak up. Someone I've worked with shared with me that when they spoke up at a conference they went to, they were given a StatsCan report that said, this is just a reflection of society. Society is just this way. Your experience is invalid. So I feel very lucky for the response that I did get, and I'm proud of myself for how I raised it up. So what did I write in that note to Dave? In the end, what I ended up writing was just about my experience at registration, missing part of the day on day two, and the impact that had on my overall experience at the event. And then I also shared about solutions. And this I sourced from our conversations with each other on Instagram, but also just a gut instinct that I got after I had spoken to Britt and that I DM'd her about after we had discussed. The solution that felt most powerful for me would have been to have had Rachel Hollis on stage acknowledge the discrepancy in the crowd. We were talking about really heavy stuff like I shared, our biggest traumas. And if we can talk about our largest traumas in our lives, we can address a discrepancy of representation in the audience. It feels bigger than it might be. So to have had her say something like, and we use this language at the conference, or she did on stage around, you know, we are sisters, this is a sisterhood. So had she said something like, to our sisters in the room who are feeling alone or unseen, know that we see you. The makeup of this room is not what we expected, but know that for those of you who might feel alone or isolated, we see you and we are here with you. That would have been insanely powerful. So I wrote that as a suggestion. And another suggestion that came up from my DMs was suggesting affinity groups. So they had a lounge for solo travelers or solo conference goers where they could meet one another. Doing something similar for other groups of people or intersections of identity would be really cool to see at the event. So I added that about affinity groups. And I didn't just want to hand a note just about my experience without offering some ideas of solutions. So those were two that I, I did share in that note and I think hopefully were valuable to have shared. And I think the one-line acknowledgement could have been so powerful. So maybe in the future if this happens to them again, which it probably hopefully won't, um, they can have that as an option of, of a way to acknowledge and name it. And for me, it gives me so much perspective when I think of our future events this year of how I want to hold space for the attendees at whatever intersection in their identity they might not be feeling seen in. So it gave me a lot of insights that I find deeply valuable from an event planning perspective and a holding space perspective to make sure people are comfortable and feel welcomed and seen. And the last piece before we move on in this conversation is around marketing. So I mentioned this early on in the episode around me thinking the conference was going to be a certain way because it was marketed in a certain way. And that marketing being very inclusive because their programming on stage was inclusive. The way they've done past events, it's with a lens of inclusion. So to me, I assumed that meant the event would be somewhat diverse and not crazy diverse. Like I knew I was walking into a predominantly white space. I just didn't realize how much uh, the women of color would not be represented in the audience. And again, it was something unexpected for them. And you can't necessarily 
predict who's going to be in the audience because we're not out here putting what's your racial identity as part of a purchase of a ticket. Like that's not how things work. So this obviously was a surprise for them. But on the marketing side of it, it's we're seeing a lot more companies using photos of women, of color, of women, of people of color, of people from various intersections in their marketing materials. But is it really resulting in more diverse audiences at the events that they're being marketed to? So what's the gap there? How do we market better or become more involved and in community with the actual communities we're showing on our marketing materials? How do we make sure that our rooms are actually diverse from an audience perspective? And again, they did many things right with having low price points and um, offering many scholarships, which I learned about after the event, that they, for unused tickets, they gave them out as scholarships for free to various communities. Um, They donate to every city that they go to $25,000 to a local charity or group that could use that money. And it's powerful and they're years into their company now and this is something that they can do which is amazing but how how do we bridge that gap and that's a question I, I'd love for all of you to chew on for those of you who are in corporate for those of you who, who do work in diversity inclusion and belonging space how do you bridge that gap with communities beyond just putting pictures of those communities as your marketing material because then more and more people are going to have experiences like I did where you feel seen in marketing materials and promo but you walk in the room and you feel completely isolated, which many people have actually DM'd me about that experience. And this was my, the first time in a long time where I've had that experience myself. So those are my thoughts on all things rise in that experience. And I just want to end this portion of things with a little shout out to someone I adore, Miss Vivian K. If you guys don't follow Viv, follow Viv, you should. She was speaking at a conference in Florida at the same time. And she just said, you know, She called herself the seasoning on that conference. She was like, I know why I'm here. I know I'm the token, but I'm willing to be the token. That way, I'm blazing a trail for other people to see that this is possible. We do belong in these spaces. We can't be scared to take up space. I said, exactly. Being a token until you're not. I was thinking about that tonight with my parents. And she said, and they're going to take this seasoning whether they like it or not. I said, my parents, they've been had to be the only for so long. It takes a lot of support, awareness, and strength to do this, but it's so necessary. So I'm happy I'm in that I was in that room. I'm happy I could make it through. I'm so inspired by Viv in this moment as well. And I continue to know like there are events that I'm being reached out to because I am the token, because they need the one, the few, or the only. And I'm here for it because the more we do that, the more we are going to have greater representation and it takes so much courage and it is really hard work, but because of communities like you, we can do this together. So thank you for showing up and out for me. Oh, I'm flinging my iPad across the room. Thank you for showing up and out for me last weekend. Finally, something really special that happened after I left Fort Myers and went to Miami is I got to see an old friend of mine. And that old friend was Karina LeBlanc. She is the former goaltender of the bronze medal winning team uh, at the Olympics of Team Canada for soccer. And I'm going to share more about her story in a future episode. I'm going to interview her and we're just going to have a wonderful time. But seeing Karina, because 
in 2017, when I did get sick and had to move back from New York City to, to Ottawa, I had a number of speaking events lined up that I had been paid for already that went back to Dream Girl, those funds, that I felt obligated to complete those speaking events, even though I couldn't see out of my left eye. So I did this event in Grand Prairie called Mighty Peace Day, which is um, We Day, but smaller. And Karina was speaking there. And I remember our conversation after we took the stage and we went after and had a speaker's dinner. And I was so afraid to share my story with the world, my story of illness, of falling, hitting rock bottom after having the highest highs of my career. And I remember her just saying to me, your stories must be told. I challenge you. She, she told me every day, get on Instagram and just share. Tell a story. Tell something from your heart. You deserve to be seen. Your story is meant to be shared with the world. When I was that low and broken, having her say that to me helped me pick myself up day after day. And I started that very next day. If you go back, it's like May 2017 on my Instagram, you'll see a picture of me and Karina. And that was the beginning of my rising. That was the beginning of me choosing myself every single day. And it was because of that moment, that intervention from a stranger who became a friend. And her ethos and mindset are so wildly inspiring. And I'll just give you a little overview. Nine months prior to that, Olympic performance the Canadian team for women's soccer had placed last dead last at the world's they had a new coach come in and he helped them realize the importance of purpose they were playing to inspire a country a nation they could bring this country together and by that semi-final game one in three Canadians watched that semi-final game for women's soccer she had servicemen come up to her after that crying because they said, I was on duty overseas for months. I had not seen my family and I didn't know why I was doing it. And seeing you women win third place for our country reminded me, she said, of why I was doing what I was doing. Her coach said to her, only two types of people get to wear the Canadian flag on their heart, those who protect us and those who inspire this nation. I can't wait to interview Karina with, uh, so you guys can all tune in and hear it because that lunch gave me life. So I shared that post on Instagram, but there was no one better to see after that experience at Rise than Karina because she reminded me why I was in that room was actually so we could inspire the conversation that we had as a community and so that we could all see each other in our experiences of being the only or the few and know the next time that you're not alone. We're in that room together. We come as one. We stand as 10,000. And we are moving mountains together. That's all for this week. That's my take on how you can stand in your strength and, and my story of just being one of the few or only in a room and how we can lift each other up like Karina did for me, like all of you did for me through sharing our stories with one another and listening. Until next week, I love you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you loved this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to follow me, Gomal, check me out on Instagram at K-O-M-A-L-M-I-N-H-A-S or the show at Lessons Learned Podcast underscore. And if you have an idea of a lesson that we should dive into on the show, then slide into our DMs 
and submit there or on the website along with any guests you think I should interview and talk all of the things with. As always, I hope that you make some time for you this week and reflect on the lessons you're learning or have learned and take some time to celebrate all the incredible that is you. Until next time, guys. Bye.